bringing their problems to me for as long as I can remember. I have one of those faces that just says, tell me what's going on. And now I have one of those podcasts that says, go ahead, tell me what's going on. Welcome to Mess in Progress. Hey guys, and welcome to Mess in Progress with myself, Gina Briona, my lovely co-host slash everything person. And now, Dr. Catherine, Catherine G. Mendoza. Catherine, say hi to the people. Hello to the people. I, li- I-, I like that presentation of, and now, we are Catherine entering the ring. Catherine. Yeah. We are Catherine in the DR ring. <laughs> so what's up, Gina? Um, <clears throat> a couple things. I can't wait for this year to be over. <laughs> I am, I'm over this year on so many levels. Uh, <clears throat> excited for the holidays. holidays but a question arose in my brain half out of delirium and half out of curiosity are people really going to try to do resolutions this year because are we all on the same page that our only resolution is to get out of this mess Mm. you know are we are we are we going to get out of this mess yeah because i kind of low-key feel like it's going to just be one elongated year. Like, mm-hmm. like for instance, the way that my friend, she just had her birthday, happy birthday, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing she did when we caught, when I called her was she goes, I'm still 30 years old. Cause she just turned 31. And mm-hmm. I go, that's true. I feel like none of us actually aged a year. Right. So we had a birthday, yeah. but did we have a whole new year like do we don't we deserve to say i'm no i'm still a, a a year younger you know what i mean same thing with the new year should we just be keeping the same resolution we made in 2020 because we never got to resolve that How can you make the same resolution if your resolution was you i'm gonna work out more and gyms are still closed right what's your new resolution like i wonder if the quarantine has changed how we look at resolutions are we now gonna base our red resolutions on our individual lifestyles and being mm-hmm. honest with ourselves. Like what do we actually want to improve having spent so much time with ourselves? That's a whole fact. I, I, I think that it's weird because I feel like a lot of people, you're right. It's like individual. It's how you specifically look at your life and how you look at things. For me, I'm like, yeah, the, 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 um, working out thing honestly this year has taught people you can do a lot at home yep 100 but there's things like (laughs) the traveling thing Mm. some people want to travel more you know i think that you got to be realistic like we don't know when and by we i mean um people in the united states don't know when we're getting out of this mess so is it likely that you're going to do a lot of traveling in 2021 (laughs) I've been to Bedhamas and I've been to my living room. Bedhamas is the bedroom. That's that's as far as I've traveled. (laughs) That is as far as I've gotten this year. Uh, I miss traveling. That's one thing I will say. I definitely miss traveling. Not the actual act of having to get on a flight or having to get on a train, but the being able to go to a place that I've never been before. And even if I only have a day in that spot, like normally, even if I only have a day, I try to do a little bit of sightseeing. I try to like go out and, you know, see where I'm at. Like one time I was in San Francisco for like a day and a half and it was my first time in San Francisco. Like I miss those moments. Yeah, but you were doing it for work. Yeah, I was doing it for work. But even still like travel, if you could, first of all, if you could travel for fun, 
if you got that kind of money, yeah, go ahead and travel for fun. But I mean, at this point, I think if people want to travel, it's almost like if you want to travel, you got to plan to leave the U.S. for quite a minute. You know See, what I mean? It's interesting. Um, I had a friend of mine who wrote, who sent me this yesterday. It was um, an article in uh, The Cut. You know, the, I think it's The New Yorker. Um, it might, like, a New York Magazine. Sorry, The Cut is a part of New York Magazine. Um, and it said, shameless on vacation. A certain kind of American is still traveling internationally and they're not sorry. And yeah, and there was this whole article about leisure traveling still within this time. So it's like, that's why I said, but you're working, yeah, right? I do think there's something to be said about work travel because when somebody has a profession like yours as a comedian who is a on the road comedian, yeah, it's part of your lifestyle, like how you make your money. Yeah. Um, but somebody who's doing it leisurely and shamelessly, that's, that is another, like, I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. So in the article, the, one of the, the, um, well, she's a girl, one of the girls, they're in Tulum, Mexico, cause they, that you could travel over there during these times. And she goes, they go with a group of people and they go, they have fun. They're posting pictures on Instagram, all this stuff. What ends up happening is one of them gets sick. Then they all get sick and she decides, oh, um, if I'm going to get sick, I'm not going to get sick in Mexico. So I'm going back home. Right. Now there's the problem. So she not only goes to the airport to come back home, but she lies on the form about being in proximity to somebody because she hasn't full, she hasn't shown symptoms. She's, you know what I mean? Seemingly good. Mm -hmm. She gets to the States again, seemingly good. Um, apparently chilled with somebody in the States, then got tested, because that's how she knew. She didn't get tested over there. Then she got tested, found out she had it, asymptomatic, had not only exposed somebody she chilled with here, but clearly whatever happened in the travel process, if she lived with other people. And here's the funny, um, the funny part. She it literally said, her quote, I was exposed to COVID and now I'm going to quarantine for two weeks in Mexico. Like, I'm sorry, I'm selfish that way. It's that mentality. Mm. That is where, where I stand with traveling. That's yeah. where I stand with realistic 2021 goes. Like, listen, even if you yourself are traveling for work, there are people like that sitting next to you. Know that. Yeah, that that, that is a whole fact. Like, I can't, it's hard to believe people can be that selfish, but there really are people out there that are like, whatever, I'm good. So if I'm not showing symptoms, then I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be quarantined or I shouldn't be held back from what I want to do. Like, meanwhile, you out here infecting people and you're infecting people that could have, you know, uh, health system, like health issues, immune system issues. You're infecting these people because you infect a person that could infect another person. You're exactly. in, and then that's what, you're right. That's what messes me up about that situation because that story I mean that story made me not want to go to the airport right now like because I'm gonna be freaking Lysol macing everybody but it's not even like that's the crazy part that when you think of where can it where can you get sick who knows who knows the like one surface or whatever the case may be you've been a germaphobe your whole life and I mean a serious germaphobe where every handle you wipe off every handle where, you know, you don't touch anything that you have not personally seen cleaned right in front of your face. If utensils come to your table, you still clean them off. 
You don't know about the plate that you're eating on. Like you literally have to be that serious about it because anybody could have touched anything. Right. And well, there, have whatever on it. There are what I like, and I, I'm going to say this probably new found germaphobes. Yeah, of course. Right. Like there's a new breed of us. And I am in that breed. Like I had, I think um, over the summer when there was outside dining, cause there was like a slew of like a downturn. And mm -hmm. I went to um, some outside dining thing with one friend and this person kept calling me um, maniatica, which is kind of like, not maniac, but uh, obsessive, obsessive compulsive. And it was because I am cleaning everything. Anytime I touch something, I clean it. Stay the hell away from me, like in proximity. I'm in here eating, but everything I touch, he, he was like, are you going to clean the straw she just gave you? And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm cleaning everything. I don't know that hoe. Right. I was, you, you've known me for years. I wasn't like that yeah. before, but yes, I have become this way. I will say this. I hate though, when people judge it, because listen, Mind your business. I get it. That's not what you're trying to do. But in this moment, all you're telling me is that my quote unquote maniatica ways is making you feel bad for not being as, as like, um, um, clean as me, because it's not about paranoia. I don't think people should be paranoid, but I do think that when people chill with like-minded people of leniency, then they forget almost. But when they chill with somebody who's like rub it up, dub every second, they're constantly aware of, shoot, should I be doing that? Yeah. Like, did I not do it enough? You know, I'm, I'm just kind of like, except that some people are newfound maniacs. Yeah, you do have to accept that. And I don't even blame people for being germaphobes because the people that have probably been saved through this have been all of the germaphobes, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, this should turn everyone into a bit of a germaphobe. Like nobody should be traveling with that attitude of lady in the article. You literally, even when I was still traveling at the, at the beginning of all of this, um, I was traveling with wipes for my seat. And I thought to myself, I have never in my years of traveling thought to wipe down my seat inside of an airplane, Same. assuming that it gets clean to the fullest extent. Meanwhile, knowing their turnover time is like minutes. Yep. Like we've, we've all seen the pilot and like the, the, the entire team walk off of a flight that you're about to get on. Yep. And it's, it's barely even, you just said it, minutes. Mm -hmm. Where did you think? Like, and here's, here's the hilarious part. I remember this probably as a teenager, once I'm getting on a flight, seeing my seat kind of moist, wet, so I could see that it was cleaned. And instead of, at the time, Instead of being like, oh, it was cleaned. And I did have that thought. Yeah. I was like, ew, it's wet. I need to dry it. Now I appreciate. <laughs> I, will sit, I will sit in that alcohol. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Yo, if you had to make a resolution, a realistic resolution, that's what we should call them. Realistic resolutions. Yes. What would be yours? Um, mine would be something that I've, I've probably been very concentrated on, uh, for myself is setting, setting certain goals for myself in terms of knowledge. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm loving learning new things. Like I have probably about six books that I've purchased mm. that, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to read this one next and this one next. And, and, and a lot of it is I have two philosophy books that I bought. Mm. Um, 
I have two cannabis cookbooks because um, I took a cannabis cooking course or I'm still taking it. And so I want to experiment with that stuff. Just like keeping up with the skills that I, that I want to learn now mm-hmm. is kind of the goal because I've set, I have to set daily goals for myself. Otherwise, I don't, I feel like I don't accomplish anything. If I don't give myself stuff to do, like a to-do list of like, okay, get up, you got to read from this book. You got to read from this book. Then you got to do this and you got to do that. Then you'll work on some comedy. Like I'm trying to get better with time management and with following through on things because I've noticed a serious lack of follow through in the plans I make for the future. And it really annoys me because it makes me get down on myself when I don't accomplish the things that I say I want to accomplish and I, I let them fall by the wayside. I get really angry because I know I had the time to do it, but my procrastination and, and probably low key, low key, high key, my fear of success or fear of more success is what keeps me from achieving those goals. So I'm trying to be more on top of that. That would be my more realistic, real talk resolution. You just made me teary-eyed. Do you see that? No. <laughs> I was like, damn girl, you crying? I'm like, that my- was beautiful, guys. <laughs> that, was, that was mad honest. That was so beautiful. She gonna follow through. And she gonna go with some cannabis, guys. <laughs> I don't know. I just got like cannabis my- for me. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a one-eye cry. It's a gangster cry. It's a gangster. Oh, like the India the, the trash commercial. Yeah. Remember back in the day, they had that that guy that would cry out of one of his eyes. Everybody yeah. had a joke about it. That that I'm sorry, Catherine. Um, when it comes to COVID, is one of her eyes tears. The other one, on no, the other one dries a bone. I know. I agree with you. Like about like um, re- that, that's a good one. Like the realistic follow through. Um, I think we all have that to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that. Yes, I should probably read all the books that I like bought in like the middle of, of quarantine where I was like, um, actually, I, I uh, bought this one book that I just heard is being in like it, it's in talks to be made into a television show. So I'm almost like I should read it before it gets made into oh, a yeah. television show because um, I bought that during quarantine. Um, let me see. Mine, honestly, uh this um, version of the podcast, since we do um, film it, um, this year has put me in the camera, like in front of the camera, mm-hmm. a lot more, which is one of my, uh, um, I don't know, it's not a comfort zone for me. I think that this year I have um, actually started working a lot more on my personal TikTok and because I did it for fun rather than like for a company or for a job. Um, and I'm seeing some type of growth on it. Yes. That's where I'm trying to be consistent. And it's not about work ethic. It's not about that. Again, it's about my lack. I mean, my, my never wanting to be on camera. That has always been a big thing in my career where I have a lot of people, and you know this, a lot of people will say, are you a comedian? No. Mm-hmm. Are you, you know what I mean? Are you an actor? No. But, um, you know, I grew up in theater. Yeah. And I think I have a decent sense of humor, but I don't, she's I'm hilarious not those things. <laughs> she's <laughs> hilarious. Not, she says decent sense of humor. She's hilarious. <laughs> I, I'm a sangana. If you don't know what that is, is when people go, when people hear somebody and they go, no, oh, you're so stupid though. You're that means you stupid. funny, but it's not, I'm not a comedian. I'm so stupid. You're so stupid. <laughs> like, that's all it is. But yeah, like using those things, um, leveraging them mm-hmm. to, 
my advantage on my own platforms because I have learned that a version of, as you said, success um, does also come with visibility. A lot of the work that I've done um, has put me, like my name is attached to it, but not necessarily my face. And that is not the world we live in. So for anybody who's trying to build their name, anything like that. Understand that social media also works when people know what your face looks like. And so for people like me, it's not an insecurity thing. It's a privacy thing. I don't like a lot of attention, but finding a way to make that comfortable for yourself. So it's a constant muscle. I'm like with myself battling because I know that it will help me, but it's just not how I saw myself going through the motions of a career. You know what I mean? Like I like being anonymous. I like, that's why I like podcasting because it's like, you know my voice, you don't know my face. You know what I mean? Now they know your face. Now they know my face and I'm like, no. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's that's one of them. Um, And another one is um, realistically the people I keep around me. And Mm. and I mean that on multiple levels. Um, One of them going back to the whole traveling thing, Um, There are people, I had this conversation with a friend, um, there are people who are traveling leisurely and almost deciding, I don't need people like that in my life because Mm -hmm. there's like, um, I remember she said, there's a delusional and I go, no, there's a recklessness that I don't like. And she goes, what do you mean? And I go, delusional does what they're doing, assumes that they're um, uh, indestructible, like they're invincible. I go, reckless is somebody who does something and then gets exposure to like COVID, let's say, and then goes, oh my God, I think I might have it. Goes get tested. Phew, I don't have it. I'm good. And then does recklessness again. Mm-hmm. That to me, I'm like, should I be around you? Because not, not even just like right now, in my life. What other reckless stuff could you be bringing into my circle, into my world? You might be a good person, like top level, but your choices in some way could affect me. And that's, you know, that's where I, uh, uh, it's funny because we have this as a topic, the biggest lesson I've learned in 2020. Yeah. It also kind of goes into my resolution. Um, What do I want to keep around me? Because this year, I haven't been around a lot of people. I haven't done a lot of the traditional stuff and life has gone on. There is no going back to whatever was before. So the biggest lesson it's taught me is that you will make it through, but you gotta be realistic about like what that plan is. So whether that plan is, I need to be consistent with my weight, then yeah, maybe you need to not be chilling with people who discourage you from you know, losing weight. They'd be like, oh my God, you look good, you look fine, stop. Maybe if you're somebody who's like, um, um, even like enabling. So for instance, there's, there's ways to enable in things where it's like, you're, you're, you're a mom, but you're still taking classes. You're still podcasting. You're still blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? All these mm-hmm. things, but people who give the excuse, it, it's okay that you didn't read all those books because you're a mom. But if you're a mom who makes the time for that, then you knew how to time manage. Yeah, but exactly. you, those people who are giving you that sometimes they mean well, in my opinion, or they're just, to, but you could also look at it as they're excusing it. They're enabling. Yeah. I think they, they mean well. I think you're right. They mean well. Their intention is good. Like they're, what they're trying to say is don't stress yourself. Being a mom is hard enough. Right. And I get that. Especially now I get that being a new mom. 
but I also agree with your point where the reason why I get upset about it is because I damn well know I had the time and I didn't do it with the time I had. And that's what upsets me. Not the fact that, you know, it's not the fact that, oh, I'm a mom and I feel like I got to do a million other things. It's like, no, I had the time and I spent it doing some BS that I knew wasn't going to serve me in any way instead of doing something that I I had promised myself I was going to do. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So So I agree with you. So what would be, I just said mine, I guess. Yeah. um, What would be your biggest lesson 2020 has taught you? Man, the biggest lesson 2020 has taught me, um, man, there's so many. It's, It's hard to pick the biggest one because I feel like this, this whole year has taught me so, so much about things I need to improve, about things I need to I guess probably the biggest thing <clears throat> that I have learned and it's the hardest thing for me to do is take pride in the things that I have accomplished because I don't think I'm one of those people that takes the time to look at what I've accomplished and be like, damn girl, congratulations. Like if you could tell 13 or 14 year old you what you were, what you accomplished now, like imagine how that teenager would react to what you've accomplished. I don't, I don't think, I think because I'm this kind of person that I finish something and I'm like, all right, what's the next thing? And I rarely give myself a chance to enjoy what I've just finished. So I've had the time because, you know, I've been doing promo for the special. I've been doing promo for other things and people bring up other projects. And I've just had a lot of moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. And I was pregnant. Like it's just taking that moment to be like, you know, congratulate myself for a job well done on the achievements I have, as opposed to beating myself up constantly for the things I have yet to achieve. Mm. I think that's probably the biggest lesson of 2020 for me. Yeah. I would think that that's actually, first thing I ask myself, Mm -hmm. do you think that that's connected to a version of like your imposter syndrome? I don't know if imposter syndrome has like a cousin, where it's like, yeah. I feel like an imposter, but I also have a, I'm never doing enough syndrome. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Do you think that that's connected to that? Like where your your lifestyle prior to 2020, you know, prior to Jaden is like um, very nonstop, right? So the next gig, it was still coming. Like, yeah, you were prepping for a special, but then you still got another gig, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Do you think that because 2020 has kind of stopped you in your tracks, you finally got to breathe in the accomplishments. You know what I mean? I think because I was, because I was forced to slow down, right. You know, by motherhood, by the pandemic, by everything that happened this year, you know, and just motherhood in general has changed. It changes you so much, at least to me, it has, like, I can't speak for everybody. For me, it has changed my ability to feel empathy. Hmm for a lot of things. Like I'm the kind of person that can go and and keep going, keep going on like zero sleep. I just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going until I will literally pass out. Like it's, it's not a healthy way of doing things, but it's just how I've been for years. And now, you know, thinking of my son doing that, I would feel terrible being that example to him of a person that just runs themselves, you know, ragged and just runs me runs myself to till I'm, I got nothing left and I literally pass out instead of learning how to take time for myself 
and respecting when other people need to take time for themselves and having a little more understanding of that because whereas before I think my mentality being what it was was always like oh you mad soft like why you need time for we need to achieve things we need to do this and I think with the pandemic and with motherhood I think I had so many realizations of what I would what I would feel if I saw my son going through something like this and so now I can't help but notice that about other people you know what I mean even down to how people treat their families you know what I mean like people that are mad disrespectful with their parents I'm like I would be crushed if my son talked to me the way that I've seen certain people talk to their parents right well two points I mean to add to that story um unless you unless their parents are not the greatest parents yeah like, it's hard to but it's hard to see because know. you don't what was hard for me is always who's it's like the chicken and the egg who's the toxic person in this relationship was it them and then you or is it you and then them like who was toxic first because I've seen so much toxicity in a lot of families where it's like a lot of that toxicity comes from things that people can't let go or refuse to let go on either side so it's like are your parents harboring resentment for having you in the first place and that's where the toxicity comes from or is there some personality conflict between you and your parents yeah. that you're holding on to? Like, you know how somebody just, oh, I wish my mom was just like this. Well, she's not, fam. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, yes, acceptance. They have to accept their parent, right? Yeah. But I, and I think that, and I think that's the hardest thing for some people. But yeah, like even in that situation, as you said, I, I think both in any situation can be messed up, mm-hmm. right? Like, Cause I, I do, you know, I did grow up with like respect your parents, respect your elders, but respect is mutual. That's why I'm saying like, even when I see somebody who's disrespecting their parents, sometimes I question, I, I try not to jump to a conclusion that like that yeah. person's an issue, but I can imagine that as a parent now being on the, with the, you know, other side, you're like, regardless, um, you're seeing a whole human being from day one right? Beyond, before day one. So now, and for them to just not have decency in their behavior, right? Like that, I see why, why you feel the way you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because again, until you become anything, but in this situation, a parent, you really don't know. You really don't have experience. Really yeah, because I will say it, it does change your point of view when you think of, I don't know, at least for me, like, Specifically with moms, though, where it's like, damn, you like you literally came out of that human. Like there, there's just a certain there is a certain level of respect that I can't imagine. Like I can't imagine ever disrespecting my mom. I mean, before this, I couldn't imagine it. But now being a mom, right. like I, I just can't imagine after knowing what I've been through in just my short six months of, of motherhood right now, my mom went through that five times like technically four well five one baby didn't make it but like um she went through four times two at the end with me and my sister um but like knowing my mom went through that and knowing what she sacrificed because it's all sacrifice bro if you don't sacrifice as a mom I am sorry you are 100% a piece of shit if you do not sacrifice as a mom but you see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I once met this girl. I was doing a video um, about, like I had written a poem about my mother and I needed an actress to, uh, no, actually I was going to commission a video 
a, a poem mm. about a mother. And then, so I went to this poet girl who, um, you know, has uh, written things that were very from an emotional place. And so I, had, I was talking to her about the concept and she goes, yeah, I don't feel comfortable writing this because I don't have a good relationship with my mom. Fuck my mom, straight up, right? I don't know her relationship with her mother. It inspired me to eventually write one myself. Like yeah. I just wrote it myself. I casted it. I was like, okay, cool. I'm not going to commission anybody. Girl, you got a mom, write about your mom. Like that's how I looked yeah. at it. But that was a very interesting thing because then I, um, you know, we still became friends on Facebook or whatever. And on Mother's Day, she'll put long posts the way that people do on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. She puts a long post about strained relationships between girls and mothers. Yeah, I find that so interesting, but it is an experience. Like, no, it is an experience. And I'm like, and here's the thing: I'm not saying that there's not piece of shit parents out there. I'm not right? saying that. And by piece of shit, I don't mean your everyday run of the mill average screw up of a parent because we all mess things up. Yeah, I'm messing things up as a mom right now. Everybody's messed things up before. Yeah. I'm talking about the people that have really been bad to their children just bad to their children whether it's suffocating them whether it's over controlling them whether it's disowning them for some stupid reason like they may be in the lgbtq or whatever dumb bullshit reason you disowned your children for for having their own mind and their own independent way of thinking then y'all are flawed and messed up and you screw it up for parents that genuinely love their children and want to see them do well because a lot of that gets like, you know, when kids start sharing stories with each other about their parents, like that can influence how a kid sees, sees their parents. Like, oh, your mom is suffocating. Oh, maybe my mom is suffocating too. Like children are so impressionable. Yeah. And so that, that it can, can really mess up their mental. So it really upsets me. Like I have a fan who had uh, sent me a message about how he wishes, he's like, you're so wonderful with your son. I wish my mother was like this with me. I wish I could have this relationship with her, but he's openly gay and he was just like, I just think she didn't accept him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that breaks my heart. Like it breaks my heart to hear. I can't even imagine it. In all honesty, I think I have a pretty decent, you know, put myself in people's shoes. Like I can do that. But in this situation, I can't even imagine it mostly because um, I don't think that I can understand that that thought process, like that parents, that person's thought process of not accepting who your child just is. Like, yeah. I, I don't get that. My brain goes, I, you know, I can, I can almost rationalize anything. Like I could be like, I see where in this situation, no. They're like, a like person. especially in that situation, because it's like of all the all the ignorance your child is going to have to battle. Yeah. Your ignorance should not be on that list. And beyond that, um, you know, I don't understand this. I think there's a lot of and this is my opinion with a lot of parents um, ownership. Like I own this person. I, I yeah. feel like a lot of parents, especially older parents, have had that mentality. Mm-hmm. So in that ownership, then they also feel like they can dictate what your sexuality should be, what your identity should be. And so they can't accept you because that's not the way they painted the picture of you in their mind. That to me is nuts. Because yeah. I'm like, how did you, like, I understand that the child came out of you, but that's exactly it. 
they came out of you into their own being, into their own body, into their own mind. My mother makes, she tells me this all the time. And I, I, I love this. Like, this is my um, one catastrophe at a time. Um, my mom says, uh, um, todo el mundo, I mean, toda la gente, uh, no, perdón. Um, cada cabeza es un mundo. Every head is a world. What she means by that is every single individual, every brain, every person is living in a different world in their mind, their world, their existence, their reality. Mm -hmm. That means you have to not only understand it, but comprehend it, be willing to accept it because you understand that they are them, yeah. right? And look at them for that, right? So just because they come from you does not mean they are you. They are, they can be I had that conversation early on with my husband. I had a conversation early on with him where I was like, this child is a combination of you and I, but he is his own person. Right. I do not expect him to get into anything that I'm into. I do not expect him to follow in my footsteps. I expect him to find his own path. I want him to find his own passions. I want him to be encouraged in that way. I don't want him to like your baseball team because you like that baseball team. I want him to decide maybe he don't even like baseball. Maybe he likes another sport. I know that because uh, I know with a lot of parents, they want to bond over certain things with their kids. So they try to force their kids down a path like, oh, I love this sport. So now you love this sport too. Like, Who's to say, let the kid decide what they want to be into. Right. And there's a way to do things. So for instance, if you love baseball, hypothetically, and you take your kid to games because that's your favorite pastime. If your child goes to a few games and you see that they're enjoying it, then that's different because they're enjoying it. They're going through the promotion with you. They're going to probably grow up to have a nostalgic idea of it. But if you take your kid to a baseball game and you see those first few times, they're bored. They don't want to be there. Don't force them. That's not for them. Find something yeah. else or go with someone else. But to this idea of like, ooh, I have, I, 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 my child is born. Now I have my little slugger to go with me to the, the dude. That's your fantasy. You are doing. Hold for sound. Hold for sound, oh. please. <laughs> Hold for someone getting arrested and or carted off to the hospital. I, I have no idea. It's it's an ambulance, so okay. you know what? Yeah. Um. I, to me, I think that kind of parenting is just as delusional, mm -hmm. I'm using that word, as, as somebody would look at a person who just met a new potential partner and then creates this fantasy world in their mind of who that person will be. You're doing that just because this person is your child. Yep. I mean, you're not doing the exact same thing. You're. I don't even like it kid. when, like, I don't like it when dads buy their sons or daughters or whatever onesies that have their favorite sports team on it <laughs> like even that gets on my nerves it's like oh he's a Mets fan is he is yeah, future he? Mets fan is he mm. yeah. why don't you let the kid make up his or her mind on what they want to like like for yeah. some reason that always irks me when people buy their kids like they're because you're trying to force this kid down a path like I understand your hype about it and you want to see them like look Somebody bought me a Mariah onesie. I wasn't going to throw it out. But if Jaden decides he likes Mariah, 
it doesn't say future Mariah fan. It no. just says always be my baby. Oh, and it's that's cute. To a Mariah song. Like, that's that's it. No. You know what I mean? But like, it's like, yeah, when it says like future this fan, like, mm, let's let the, 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 the kid tell you that. I don't think so. So like, maybe we need to, you, Gina, there needs to be a line of baby clothes where it's just like, might like the Mets, might not. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> or future blank space fan. Like future blank fan. Like Let that. the baby fill it in. Right. Well, or maybe that's the parentheses. Future, they will decide. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just make a, we'll make us some, some uh, new agey millennial type baby clothing where it's like, let the baby decide. Let the baby decide. I'm going to be such an annoying new agey mom for everybody that's around me because I literally, I've already prepared certain statements for my son that I say to him now. Like yeah. when he's, when he's freaking out and crying like crazy, I'll be like, let's go, let's go have a private. Let's go have a private chat about this. Right. Let's have a private chat so about your behavior you hold, right now. You hold a two-person press conference because yeah. you just said you have statements. You're like, yes. I know, I know what what flashcard to take yeah. out. We're going to talk about this situation in the back room in private, so that when you are older, you are used to me saying, "Let's go have a private about this." So, and I don't think I'm a, I don't think I'm a beat him. I don't think I'm a beat my my kid. I can't. But beat is such an, uh, an aggressive word. I know. I can't even imagine Papao. Like, Papao is nothing to me, but Papao? I can't even imagine slapping him on his little butt because I'm t- every tear breaks my heart. Even yeah. when I'm frustrated with him, every tear... I'm such a softie as a mom because every tear breaks my heart. I can't... There was a little girl crying in a Target the other day and she was, like, screaming at her mom. She was like, why, mommy, why? And I was like, why? Why? Why, mommy? question. See... I, I know it's weird because um, the other day my friend told me, uh, yo, it's like I was like a, um, a mom in training with my ex-boyfriend because he had two kids and they were very young when I got with them. I remember one time his ch- one of his ca- um, kids, we're in a car, we're going somewhere and we're um, all sitting in the back and, he, and she's on his lap. I don't remember what it was that happened mm-hmm. or, or what he was asking of her. Um, I feel like she spit in his face. I, if I remember, I feel like I'm blanking on this, but I feel like she did because I remember it was like the ultimate disrespect. Oh my God. And my brain immediately was like, slap the shit out of her. I didn't say it. My brain yeah. thought that. He didn't do any of it. But, you know, we're not together. So I don't know what, what now her, she probably is a preteen. Yeah, she's a preteen. She's going to be a teen now. Um, how do you discipline in that, right? Like, I think that's an individual choice. I don't know if as a parent, I'm not a parent. I don't know if as a parent, I would slap the shit out of them. But to spit in my face, you understand? That's another level of like, this is why I said, I don't like the word beat. Yeah. But there is something to be said about my mother's quick, back of the hand smack that happened in a department store. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was a tate quieto. It was a, don't you ever do that again, right? And she didn't do it often. But if she did it, you did the ultimate disrespect. Yeah. I feel like- the Mind you, I say that now, but there may be a trigger that yeah. gets hit. Like if my son were to spit at me, there may be a, I'm gonna slap you right in the mouth. Yeah. I'm going to bop you in the mouth. It doesn't even take a slap. You bop a kid in the mouth and they're yeah. just stunned by the fact that you bopped them in the mouth where it's like, yep. 
I can't imagine being having the child spit in my face. Ooh, no, no, yeah, no. I, a bop is, well, see, that's the thing. I feel like at that age, she was about four. So you don't slap her fully, right? But you do need to bop her. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. So she almost got away. I could see it in her face that she did it. And then her face looked like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, what's going to happen? And nothing happened. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I just, it's very interesting to me because, again, that wasn't my child. So I don't have a right to say what I, what, what I feel. But it's such an individual thing because your child's are individuals. I'm sorry. What if you birth an asshole? Like, what if you birth an asshole? That's a 100% fact. That's 100% fact. Nobody wants to have the asshole baby, but somebody does. Somebody does. You're telling me you're, you don't have, like, if, if, if everybody says they don't have an asshole baby, but we have so many asshole people. Yes, there's nature versus nurture, but I do believe some people just come out the womb trying it. Mm-hmm. trying it on another level because they all try it but on another on level. another level of trying it where it's like no 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 no. i'm gonna test the waters with everybody and that's <laughs> you as a parent you got to pull your child aside and be and i do think that that there's the depending on the behavior like how disrespectful the behavior gets yeah. that's a pull to the side and be like i'm going to whoop your ass in front of these people i'm going to do that if you continue this you are and that's about embarrassment that's about, I'm going to embarrass the crap out of you because oh, you're not like beating, beating your kid, but even just a little pop out in front of other people when they're crying. Oh yeah. That is embarrassing to them. And I think that's the important part. They know um, they need to learn embarrassment because it's also like in return, what she did to him that day was embarrassing to him. Yes. Yes. You it know? was embarrassing. It was disrespectful. And now she doesn't know that. And if she does, again, it's that teaching of empathy. 100%. Because the thing is, she knows it, but she don't care, right? I'm not saying her in particular, but if she knew it and didn't care, it's not about hit her in the mouth because of your pride. It's understand this is the level of disrespect she's going to show people in general. Mm-hmm. You just got a taste of what is to come with her behavior. Um, it's not, it's nuts. You know what's funny? I got into an interesting conversation because um, I was feeling bummed. I was feeling bummed about my son's first Christmas being this whole lockdown experience. And I was talking to my husband about it and I was like, I want him to have a special first Christmas. And my husband was just like, you know, he's not going to remember this, right? <laughs> like right. he is six months old. He is not going to remember this. The Christmas baby's first Christmas is for the parents. And as much as I didn't want to admit it, <laughs> it is true. Yeah. I feel like baby's first Christmas is more for the parents. We want the pictures. We want the memories. We want the cute outfits. My son has no idea what's going on. Baby's first to like third. Yeah. yeah. No clue what's going on in terms of Christmas. Like no idea what presents are. No idea about Santa Claus, whether or not I go with that story or not. Like no clue whatsoever what's going on. But for me, I was bummed thinking about his first Christmas being spent during like a pandemic and in quarantine and blah, blah, blah. Just in case we aren't allowed to go visit my family, which I'm hoping we will be, but um, it's, it's so true. Like, I want those Christmas card pictures. I want those like, oh my God, he's wearing the cutest Christmas outfit. And I want to show them to him when he gets older. I want him to, you know, I picture me and my son, like I'm all vieja and he's in college. And I'm like, look at your first Christmas. That was during the worst Christmas ever. 
Oh my gosh. It's so crazy because like, look at, look at that. Like when you hear what, when I hear what you just said, I get it. Like I get why you feel like all these wants. So interesting how much expectation parents have. Like it's like, you know, like expecting the, in the future, I want to show you these pictures. Yeah, they're not going to remember this, but they're definitely going to remember how much you never stop talking about it. Yep. You know what I mean? That's what they're going to remember. The pictures are for future them who's like, oh, this is my first Christmas. Apparently we did blah, 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 blah. Because that's really what it will yep. be. It will be Apparently, Apparently it was during quarantine. <laughs> Apparently, right. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, it is about the parents. It's not first three. Like, I think my niece, who's now five, this is the first Christmas she's actually excited about. So okay. it's fun. It's weird. Um, we enjoyed all the four Christmases. We enjoyed them. But this one is actually hers. Yeah. This one, not to say matters less than Jaden's first, but to her matters more than her first one did, right? Mm -hmm. But Josephine, my sister, still got her first Christmas, like with, oh, yeah. with her baby. And so I hear you, like, it's like, you, it's yeah, it is about y'all, but I'm sorry, you're new parents. It makes sense, right? There is an element of parenting that's very much, that's very show-offy. Like I can't yeah. even, you can't even help yourself. Like I, I, if I, if I had no control over myself, like I do, I would be posting nonstop pictures and videos of my son. I am obsessed with this tiny human. I am obsessed with him. You know, there's an app. I don't know why I didn't think about this before. Jesus, there's an app. I will find out what it is where you literally post endless pictures of your child on the app and you, That's your really family weird. and friends all have the app because it's made for baby pictures and videos. So that way you're not bugging people on social media, but you are putting it somewhere for your parents who may live far away and want to see a picture of them every day. And then plus at the end of like the year, you have all these pictures from that year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is kind of cool. Cause, Cause it's a thing because parents want to like, oh my God, look, he rolled over. And you can literally match a picture that they sent you a week ago and you go, Girl, that is the same thing he did last week. You were just mm. excited that he did it. That's me. Different. That's me, 100%. Which, 100%. I guess. Yeah, well, Jaden does one thing 10 times, and each time I'm amazed, just as I was the first time. I'm like, oh, my God, he's clapping. He hasn't started clapping yet, but, you know, we're close. We're, close. we're getting there. We're very close. Wait, wait, hold on. Are you teaching him how to clap so that he can practice your sets with you? First of all, my intentions. <laughs> are nobody's business. <laughs> Let's start off with my intentions are nobody's business. <laughs> I am merely teaching him how to clap. Do I do it to videos of myself? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Oh my God, she is raising her future announcer. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, my mommy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to teach you. Ladies and gentlemen, my mommy. I'm like, Isn't oh, that adorable? <laughs> it's so funny, but it's it's so it's listen, I think I do feel for everybody right now with Christmas, right? Like whatever your Christmas is spent as, like I guess unless you I'm I'm gonna be real, I have and I have friends like this, unless you've been alone, like you know, I have friends whose parents have passed, 
don't mm-hmm. really have a lot of family, that they're very alone. Um, unless that has been your Christmas for like the last few years, this is going to be a shock to everybody's system. Yeah. Thanksgiving was already a version of a shock. This will be a version of a shock. I will say that in Latino communities, um, specifically, we do Noche Buena more than necessarily Christmas. Um, and Noche Buena is a day for family, right? Like Christmas yeah. is the day after. Uh, well, I know in my family, Christmas wasn't like, we didn't open presents in the morning. We opened presents at 12 o'clock, midnight. I don't know if there's just a, yeah. I think it's because of Noche Buena, but also it's like, girl, it's Christmas, it's 12 o'clock. And it was we would the at one least open year. one present. We would open at least one present, me and my sister. They would let us open all the presents. And then in the morning, and this is really interesting because it's a very like hybrid immigrant parent, but then also American custom. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we would wake up and then in the morning we would have one gift from Santa Claus, which the reason why that made it more special than the other way around is because at night is the tias and tios presence, is the parents' presence, right? But in the morning, it really made it magical yeah. to wake up. And you had already opened all the gifts. No more gifts under the tape, under the tree. Now, then my mom would go, she would go, 12 o'clock, open all the presents. Mom, my mom would go, you guys have an hour to play. So we would go to bed at one, right? Mm-hmm. Then we, we would, but she would, go, she would go, you need to go to bed because you know that Santa comes in the middle of the night. Ya cuando la luz se sube, when the sun is up, Santa can't come. Santa don't come. Right? We would be like, no, but like, what if you don't make it to Brooklyn when, when the, <laughs> the light comes out, ma? Who's that? I also really thought that he came from the radiator. I was one of those kids who thought like- That's hilarious. I thought that the radiator turned into a chimney for, for, for the two seconds. A chimney. A chimney. Aww. And then I was like, but he came from the radiator. And I used to be like, but which radiator? And then there was this one radiator in the corner that had a flap that was a little bit like messed up. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's, Santa's radiator. that's the Santa flap. That's Santa's radiator right there. Don't touch it. Santa likes <laughs> I'm going to leave the cookies right there. <laughs> cookies. I didn't leave him no cookies. I said that like Cookie Monster. Cookies. First of all, Santa, you come into my house. So if anybody gets cookies, it's me. It's me. You should be bringing stuff to my Yo house. Yo soy Latina. Aquí se trae la cosa. You bring exactly. stuff to offer. You come here to my house. You bring me a plate of cookies. <laughs> Chocolate so, chip, soft. <laughs> um, soft. Um, but he, I, I, he, you heard me, Santa. He, Santa. So in the morning, yeah, we would wake up and it was the one gift. And that to me felt magical. But like this year, my sister is not necessarily going to get to give, ironically, my niece her first Noche Buena that she's going to remember is not gonna be able to be with a, a good amount of people. It's just gonna yeah. be their, the, you know, their, their bunch. On um, actual Christmas day, um, there's nothing, like for her, there's, a, you know, they, she gets that memory, but it won't be as festive as the ones that we had growing up, hopefully in the next few years. I think it is sad she, yeah. for her. Yeah, I, I think that to some degree, hopefully, we're all done with this by next year or the Not year really, after that. Yeah. Let's, you know, 2020, 2022. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Next year, we're going to be like, 2023? Oh my, but <laughs> I hope so. And, you know, she'll only be six and seven. So she's still yeah. going to get a significant amount of them. 
pero it still sucks because those traditions is what gets you through the year. It's what means something in 20 years, you know? And yeah, I do, I do respect that. Like there's a sadness that comes with it, you know, like, especially if you have elderly parents or grandparents, every holiday counts. Every single, every one. single one counts. Yep. That's a hundred percent. It's hard. It's not, you know, it's so hard not to be selfish. Yeah. Not to want to be selfish. It's also harder. I don't know if you've seen this, that there's places like there's different countries that have actually, you know, contained the, the pandemic mm-hmm. and have gone to a, res- a resemblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. So for this country to see stuff like that to any degree, it's like, it's like you and your friends getting in trouble on the block for doing some stuff mm-hmm. and all your parents put you in punishment, right? But you and your siblings, you have one sibling who's still acting up even in the house so your parents don't let you out, but all the friends that got punished now can go back on the block and chill. And you're just looking at them from the window like, Michelle, act right, because they don't let us out. Like, just, just get it together, yo. Why you don't know how to act? I just need you to like, the next time she comes in here, don't say bud. Like, just stay shut, yo. Just stay <laughs> shut. Because I want to go on the block. They're playing hopscotch. That's it. That's how I feel. And I, that's, yeah, hopscotch. that's how we all feel right now. Yeah. We cannot red light, green light, one, two, three this Christmas. Like <laughs> We cannot. There's no red light, green light, yo. It's all red light. It's all red, red light, light. Red light, red light. There's no <laughs> green light in, in sight. Right? That's, that's, it's, but hopefully you will get the opportunity to still make it, you know, something worthwhile yeah. for you guys. Cause you know, at least that you, you still have the ones who do live in your home. Yeah. There will still be plenty of Christmas time posts. There will yeah. be plenty, plenty of time to post those pictures, adorable pictures and videos. And I'm still going to get him presents. I'm still, yeah. you I can't help it. I already I got mean, his first one. Uh, oh, did you? I mean, I'm like, don't blow it up. But <laughs> I'm like, to who? Future Jaden who's listening to this and it's like, wow, you told everybody. I got him a little fake controller. Oh my God. You And nobody, if you can see this at home, I mean, you can't see this at home, but she has legit, like, it looks like a PlayStation controller. Is that? No, that's, that's Xbox. It looks like an Xbox yeah. controller. But it's like a baby Xbox controller. It's like, <laughs> If Nickelodeon made an Xbox controller, she got him that. That's so cute. It's so, so you're, cute. So you're training a gamer? No, his dad plays. I don't, first of all, I have nothing against video game people. Here's my issue with video games. I was just discussing this with my best friend the other day whose children play like Minecraft and all this stuff. Because um, he actually had to, yell, not yell at his kids, but like he got to... Um, his, one of his kids was like yelling at the screen and he, you know, and he stopped them from playing. And he was like, is this real life? Are you playing like this is real life? You're getting upset like this is real life. This is a video game. And that's my issue with video game players. When you start to become that person, like this stuff is supposed to be leisure. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be whatever. When you start screaming at the freaking screen and throwing your controller and get like, come on now, that that ain't real life. You don't get that mad about real life problems, but you get that mad about video game problems. 
So like, I'm not a huge fan of the world of like gamers and video game playing, but if he can do it and just have fun with it and learn not to get frustrated with it and realize that it's not real life. Like if you lose in Mario Kart or whatever, you don't got to be upset like your life is over. So I don't want him to get in that mentality, but like just to know that his dad is playing and that he could sit there and play on his little fake remote or his little fake controller, like just for him, them to have that bonding moment. Like I'm not going to be one of those moms that's like, because I don't like it, you can't experience it. Like experience it and make up your own mind. If you want to play video games, I'm fine with that. But my, my rule for adults is the same as my rule will be for kids in video games. Don't do that shit if you have not finished everything you need to do work-wise. That's, it's leisure. That's leisure. That's not, that's not for you to, to forego work or homework or whatever for you to do that. You do that when, you're, when you have the extra time. Yeah. No, and that, that's my only rule with it. Like, if you're doing it in lieu of getting stuff done, then don't, I don't want to hear it because you're wasting time. You're wasting time doing that. Yeah. So. I'll, but I'll let him experience it and make up his own mind as to whether or not he's a fan of playing video games. And then I'll let him rock. Like you could rock as long as you finished your work. You want to go and you want to play. And depending on his age, like you want to play for like an hour, go play video games for an hour. But you're not sitting there three, four hours, even if it is leisure time. You're not sitting there three, four hours doing this. Yeah. Because that's what you've wasted so much of your day. Yeah. You- I think, it, again, it's like, it's, it's, it's a personal preference. Playing video yeah. games not for some people, not, not for other people. But when it's a distraction from the things that matter, then that's a problem. That's when it becomes a problem. It's not really about judging gamers. It's just about you're you're not living. You're not doing what you need to do. You're just living in that specific reality, yeah. right? Like, and I think that kids now growing up in the age that they are now, having the exposure to technology in a way that we did not have growing up. Um, you know, they could have a very skewed idea of reality if all they've ever known was the phone and that and this, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a very interesting thought. Like, how do you encourage set boundaries? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's still such a cute little gift because it's like, I could see a a little kid like next to their dad like with the fake controller. it's like when i've seen those memes that it's like they give the kid a controller but it's not yeah. plugged in. <laughs> and then like i'll that. wait till he's a little better at the game so that he doesn't get frustrated and and just explain to him this is not real life so don't take it seriously like it's real life if you mess up if you die in the game i know you're upset but like you just have to really take the time i feel like we probably come from a generation of parents that like did not have the time to sit and explain things. So they did not have the patience to sit and explain things. So we have the luxury of having figured out time management wise and just um, even just verbiage how to talk to our children because we've all also realized that like, oh, there's a lot of stuff in my childhood and the way that I was talked to that I don't want to pass on to my child, you know? Like, I don't want to be that, that parent that says stuff like, what are you stupid? Mm. My kid can't figure out stuff. But I, I mean, I heard that from mad adults when I was growing up. Like, what are you stupid? Why, why can't you do this? Why are you being so lazy? Why are you this? Why are you that? Like not communicating properly is I think the cause of a lot of issues and resentment that children have for their parents. Yeah. Then they feel like 
it feels like you have a warden, not a parent. Like, are you, are you, is this a prison? Like, like what is going on here? Like I'm, I'm treated like a prisoner and I'm not saying be willy nilly and let your kids do whatever. Obviously there's a level of authority that you have to maintain, but learning how to communicate that authority, learning how to almost have an authoritative energy without having to grip up your kids all the time or scare the crap out of them. Like the way I see my best friend talk to his kids when he needs to speak to them sternly, he speaks to them sternly. But it's not on some hovering over you, you're going to live in fear of me. But it is on some like, I am your father, you will respect me. Yeah. Because it's my job to keep you safe, to keep you educated and to prepare you for the world. That's my job. So you will respect me. And then when you turn 18, we'll see how this all turns out. It's interesting because I also like feel like, you know, I did grow up with like Nintendo, right? So, um, but you just said you earlier, you said like they get a kid who gets upset and then like throws a control. Like my mom would be like, that was the time to teach the lesson of, is that how you treat the stuff that we buy you? Right? Like, mm-hmm. is that how you treat your stuff? So that was the quick take it away. There is no, I'm going to sit, and, I, and I'm still a believer of that. No, there is no sitting and explaining to you in too much detail why I need to take it away. Immediately, the kid knows In why. that moment, in that yeah. moment, is you take it away. Yeah. And then as you take it away, go, you're still not going to get this back, but I'm going to explain to you yeah. what just happened and right. why you're not going to get this back. Right. Because right. people spend money to buy you things to show you that they appreciate you, that they love you. And this is how you treat the things that they buy you. Or this even even if, even if they didn't, like as you get older and you start buying yourself stuff, right? Still need to treat your stuff Take well. Take care like, of your stuff. Take care of the things. You right. like playing this game, then you shouldn't like throwing the controller. Right. Because if it breaks, then you are going to expect me to buy you another controller because you got um, angry. Honey, that's how you're going to treat everything in life. You do something and then you expect somebody else to fix it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the lesson. And I think uh, you said it. A lot of people don't, didn't have that time, right? Uh, my mother, I would say that she did explain-ish. Mm-hmm. But I also am very fortunate to come to, to be the youngest. So when you have older siblings, you do have siblings who be like, girl, you're going to break your stuff. Like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, you, you're going to break your stuff and then you're not going to have, she's not going to buy you another one. Yeah. You know, she, you know what I mean? So she didn't, she had that support, you know, the second parents um, of letting you know, but yeah, when it's just you and your kid and you don't have another, another child, you do have to take that time. Unfortunately, I think that's what real parenting is. It's yeah. taking the time, making the time and knowing what they need. As you said, once um, it's a whole new human being. Mm-hmm. At every stage, even seven, even 12, even 13, it's a whole new human being. If you don't have the patience for that, then yeah. why did you get into the business? Yeah, because why? that new human being is going to go through things at different stage of their lives. Different stage, when they hit puberty, it's going to be, it's going to be a trip, like yeah. all these things. And if you don't have a handle on communicating with them before they hit puberty, good mm-hmm. luck. Yeah. Those puberty hormones and those puberty emotions are going to hit like a freaking truck. Yeah. And that kid is not going to know who to talk to about what if they don't feel comfortable talking to you about it and sitting down with you about it. And it's not their fault. 
No. You have to set that foundation. You have to set the foundation of you can come to talk to me about, about anything. Even if you know I'm not going to approve of it, you can talk to me about it. Yeah, I agree. That's an important thing, man. I said, I see this from a lot of a lot of the stuff I've been watching online about moms. It's like I've actually put out a video to the moms of TikTok asking questions. Like I think there's a there's a little bit of a stigma about mom new moms asking questions. Like a lot of new moms want to seem like they just know what they're doing. But I'll tell you right now, like there's times when I am at my wits end and I put it out there and the response I got was so amazing. Like the new moms, I was talking about uh, just um, milk supply issues and I just had them hit me back with some, I mean, such sweet, warm-hearted advice. Nobody was judgy. Nobody was anything. Like, I love this world of new moms where it's like, I don't tell you how to parent. You know, the only thing people will comment on, and I think they kind of should comment on, is when they see something openly negative. That they're just like, that That 100% will have a negative impact on that child. You know what I mean? Like, that's the stuff people comment on now. But other than that, nobody's telling you how to parent your kid because that's so whack nowadays. And you see that kind of love. I'm really enjoying TikTok a lot. TikTok really or mom TikTok? TikTok and mom TikTok. Okay. Because I love the creativity. I love the questions it brings up. It brings up actually our TikTok of the day, which I really, you sent it to me. And it was so funny because when you sent it to me, I had seen the video, the original yeah. video before you had sent it. And it brings up a very interesting question. I don't know if you want to tell the peoples what we're so talking about. On TikTok, if you aren't using TikTok, there's this feature where you can make a video, right? And if somebody writes a comment on your video, you can actually video respond to their comment. So you make another video responding to their comment and the comment is on your video, mm -hmm. right? So everybody knows what you're responding to. So the video we actually have today is a response to someone's comment from a previous video. You had seen the original video. Yep. I saw the response, right? Like a, a stitch of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the question that was asked of the creator was what's wrong with being Mexican? What, what are you, um, what, why are you offended? Right. And I guess you had to go back to the original video and the girl who was in the original video was talking about, um, how she is a, a, a Latina woman, but she's not Mexican. Um, but she, now, I'm not going to lie. Um, we're not saying her name for specific reasons. Uh, she didn't, she seemed very passionate about it. Almost to an extent, I think I'm a passionate person. I, I know how I can come off to some people, so I don't judge her. But I see how other people could have looked at her and been like, she's aggressive. She seems offended. But it did propose a really good question. So in the reply that I saw, she responded with, the problem is I'm not fucking Mexican. Mm -hmm. That was her response. No disrespect to my Mexican friends. So it made the, it made me think, did it offend you to grow up when growing up to be called Mexican as a Latino? Did it offend you to be called Mexican? It, it didn't offend me. I got it more often than not because of the way I speak Spanish. So I could understand why people thought I was Mexican because I have a very Mexican accent when I speak Spanish. And I use a lot of Mexican terminology because I grew up speaking Spanish with a lot of my Mexican friends. And I dated a Mexican guy for seven years and his mom only spoke to me in Spanish. And I sang in their church and that was all in Spanish. So 
my Spanish sounds very Mexican. So to me, it does not offend me when somebody asks me, but I can understand why it would frustrate and offend someone to constantly be told that they are something or that they're, or not being, not being able, not being identified as their background. Like in the video you sent, there was uh, a gentleman talking about how he is 100% African-American. He's like, I'm 100% black. My mom is black. My dad is black. But because of the way that he speaks and the fact that he doesn't stereotypically, he doesn't speak stereotypically in the way that you think black people should sound or should speak, people have always guessed that he was mixed because there had to be some kind of white in there in order for him to speak the way that he speaks. Mm. I can understand the frustration in that when the only thing that you want to do is be able to show appreciation and love for your culture and right. people don't view you as part of that culture because you don't fit the stereotype of that. Or in this woman's case, I feel like what upsets her the most or what frustrated her and made her, cause she was type aggressive in the video. I'm not gonna lie. The video even to me came off as mad aggressive where it's like, you're super aggressive about being offended, you know? And I can understand her frustration because I think it's just, she's more frustrated by the ignorance of people to assume she's Mexican because you clearly know nothing about the Mexican culture if you think she's Mexican. Mm -hmm. She, I think in her mind, she displays no behavior that would make you think that she's Mexican, which is right. different from my case where it's like, yes, my Spanish sounds very Mexican. So you, of course, I wouldn't be offended by it because I'm now used to people thinking I'm Mexican. But with her, I think she's, she sounded, I don't know if she was Puerto Rican. I believe she's Puerto Rican. I, Puerto Rican or Dominican? I believe, she might have been Panamanian. I think so. Oh, really? Panamanian? Because her I, accent sounded so, like, her accent to me sounded very Puerto Rican. Um, but she, it, regardless of what she was, it's this idea of, like, her own cultural pride. Where yeah. it's like, she has her own cultural pride. And of course, it's going to offend somebody if you're like, are you Mexican? And she's like, Dominican, Panamanian, Puerto Rican down to her bones. You know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody that is so prideful of their, you know, cultural heritage. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you should be able to be a, very a proud of your culture, but yeah. it's also not necessarily an insult because somebody gets that culture wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, people just don't know. See, I think I, I kind of, I always come from the perspective of New York City and in, in, specifically the borough of Brooklyn. Um, no, you could have said specifically. It was fine. You could have yeah, left it, was, it there. I wasn't even going to say specifically. It was like, it was starting, but then I was going to say something else. And I was like, what am I saying? Um, <laughs> in old Brooklyn, RIP. Um, yeah. Um, a moment of silence. Okay, we're back. Um, in old Brooklyn, I, I just think that growing up, I did grow up with a lot of people who were offended by being called Mexican. It's very interesting. I didn't have this conversation in depth until I started working in LA. And because I was working in LA with a predominantly um, Mexican like uh, uh, company. When I say Mexican, I mean Mexican-American, I mean uh, Chicano, I mean, um, you know, Mexican from Mexico, right? Like immigrants. So it, but the predominant culture in the company was Mexican. Um, and I remember 
we were talking about slurs and in talking about slurs, you know, they, a, a lot of it was like wetback and beaner and that's what they were talking about, right? Because they're Mexican-American. And so I, I was sitting there as a New Yorker, me and the only other New Yorker girl there, we were both like, yeah, wetback and beaner was never an insult where we grew up. And, the, and I was like, because it's an insult for Mexicans, right? In Mexican, uh, Mexican Americas in California, Texas and stuff like that. And I go on the, on the Northeast, I think that a lot of Span uh, um, Spanish speakers, I wanna say, but predominantly uh, Puerto Ricans, it was spick and it was stuff like that, that was really offensive. But as language changes and language evolves, um, or even communities, it's what we talked about before with the word Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. um, the word Mexican was offensive to any other Latino that wasn't Mexican for multiple reasons. One can be clearly broken down to inaccuracy, right? Like we can start there. There is an, there is an inaccuracy of, do, do you not know that there's more to Latin America than just Mexico, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of the time, it was also like, they also did know Puerto Rican because we're yeah. in New York City. So they either, you were, they would go, oh, cause you Puerto Rican, I'm not Puerto Rican. Then you Mexican, I'm not Mexican. Yeah. I'm Ecuadorian. Also, that's the same thing, you Mexican. See what I mean? It was, mm -hmm. it was that, it was dismissing the fact that like there's a whole other country. So that's where you get offended, but you're more offended at the lack of like even caring that, like that's like if somebody in the States would be like, oh, where are you from? I'm from, I'm from the South, um, uh, but I'm from North Carolina. Whatever, it's the same thing. North Carolina, Mississippi, all y'all are the same. No, it's a state. It's, a, it's an individual thing. And people would take pride in that, right? So the same thing with country. So yes, I go into what you just said that in that sense, they're more upset at the fact that you don't understand geography. But there is also a very big, and this is going into the conversation that I had with my Mexican friend in, mm -hmm. in LA. There is a very big anti-indigenous factor to being offended by the word Mexican. Okay. So here's what I mean. A lot, nobody's offended by the word Mexican in California because the predominant culture in California are Mexican, Mexican yeah. right? So Mexicans be like, are you Mexican? Yeah, I'm Mexican. Like they mad proud. That's a pride thing yeah. over there. If, you know, yeah, I'm Mexican. Right. But in the Northeast, because there was a lot more Caribbeans um, and specifically Puerto Ricans, there were Mexicans. But there is, um, I believe there have been like studies about how a majority of the Mexicans that did travel to the Northeast comes from a specific region in Mexico. And I, I want to say it's called Puebla, but I don't, you know, don't quote yeah. me on that. No, no, I, th I believe you're right because I used to have these discussions with my ex's family. A lot of them, a lot of uh, the Mexicans that are in the in the uh, Northeast are from Puebla. They, I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I know that a lot of them are from Puebla. So um, a lot of the people who also then come here are very indigenous presenting, right? And since in this country, we do not address the anti-indigenous that exists the way that we address anti-blackness, like mm -hmm. not to the same level, we don't address it. And now mind yeah. you, we already don't do it for native North Americans from the United States of America or what, what it was prior to that. 
So yeah. on top of it, we're not gonna address, we don't address um, anti-indigenous from other indigenous places in, in Latin America, right? So there's this assumption that when you think of a Mexican person in New York City, you're thinking of the worker, you're thinking of the, the delivery guy, you're thinking of the, the guy who bags your groceries, right? There's also a, a underlying sentiment that that worker is lesser, is, you know what I mean? Isn't of class. Mm -hmm. um, in, Spanish, in Spanish, it would be de sociedad, right? Um, That's the assumption, yes. Right. So, um, hold for sound. Is that you? Oh. Is that you? Um, so, I think that a lot of the offensiveness for people growing up where I grew up, like me, myself, I wasn't offended, but here's the reason. Because I sound very Puerto Rican when I speak. So because I sound very Puerto Rican, people were already mixing me up for Puerto Rican. So yeah. I would be like, I'm not, I, would, I was just annoyed that you didn't know Ecuadorian. Yeah. But I will say this, because I was in a predominantly Puerto Rican community, being called Puerto Rican felt like being in the in crowd. Yeah. And I was very, part very, of very, the, the whole, yeah. Right. Being called Mexican because it was alluding to the connotation that was very anti-indigenous, very anti-worker man, very anti a lot of those things. And that's those are these are subconscious things that you just kind of know by mm -hmm. a feeling, not because anybody said them. That is also why people were offended because they didn't want you, they don't want to you um, look at them as lesser, as something that in my opinion is actually extremely offensive to Mexican people. Mm -hmm. so it took me in that conversation at a company with predominantly Mexican people where I felt when they said, so what did insult ya? And I was like, okay, I'm going to say this in this room. I didn't get insulted by this, but a lot of people got insulted by this. And I said it, the word Mexican, they all looked at me. They were just like, what? Why? Now, let me make something clear. A majority of that room was mestizo mixed mm -hmm. a majority of that room had proximity to whiteness therefore to some degree proximity to a version of class even in mm -hmm. latin america the ones who didn't who the ones who were brown the ones who were indigenous were still from california so like i said that's the majority over there so over there it's a sense of pride they're like what the hell are you talking about catherine why people be offended and I had to explain that I had yeah. to really explain and the other friend who we had this conversation was like this is deeply rooted in anti-indigenousness this is deeply rooted in class classism this is rooted in ignorance in thinking that um all Latin Americans are a monolith and not learning the individual uh countries you know what I mean regions like it's it's a lot of things in one so why this girl was passionate has less to do with being offended mm -hmm. and has more to do with being tired. She's exhausted at having to explain and teach you that Panamanian, like, pa Panamanians exist, that Ecuador exists, that there is more than Cuba, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, and Mexico, because those are the four defaults, right? Like, yep. even when you listen to, like, Latino music, and everybody's heard, like, 
the uh those anthems that everybody knows they'll be like puerto ricans dominicans um uh colombians and they say the like popular ones but when people hear peru yo because peruanos never really get shout out they'd be like oh my god peru. Did they just say peru? If, they, if somebody hears bolivia when you start hearing these countries panama, panama like when you hear um guatemala When mm -hmm. you hear all of those, you feel represented. That is where those are all, like everything I just said are lines of where the word offended really came from. There's levels to it. And I think that Mexicans sometimes um, don't even realize the influence they have in this country mm -hmm. and how it affects other Latin Americans. So having this conversation, she's right. No disrespect to my Mexican friends, but you don't get the experience of being Latino, but but being other in the others. Like, yeah. right? Like Latinos are already the others, but then if you're not one of those four categories, you're now another, you're another other. Yeah. And it gets exhausting. Yeah, it gets exhausting to constantly feel like you're being dismissed. Yeah. yeah. Or they And just don't exist. Yeah, you don't exist. Like, I, going into my TikToks, I um, I have the, I have an, a, a a TikTok I made where I pretended to be Planet Earth, and in the TikTok, all of my comments, I didn't know Planet Earth was Boricua. I didn't know Planet Earth was Rosie Perez. I'm used wow. to, this. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. used to people hearing me like this. But here's the thing: I understand that that's because it's how I sound, so it doesn't bother me. But let me make something clear. I take the effort to go into my comment section and go, I'm Ecuadorian. Yeah. What we are gonna do is acknowledge that, that, I'm, that that's my culture. What you're hearing is my New York City influence, which mm -hmm. is Boricos. But what I am is this, and I would be doing a disservice to my family and my lineage to not write back. Nah, I literally put, nah, I'm Ecuadorian, but I was raised with mad body. Because I made it clear to you. I sound yes. like this for this That reason. is why I sound this way. Right. Um, I go into, I feel her. Just got to be very careful because you also don't want to start creating a war between Latinos. Yeah. Because the word is uh, can be offensive to some people or has been historically. Yeah. In New York City. I keep, you know, I want to put a point on that. I've, I understand her frustration because I've definitely gotten from people. And this is just you know, other Latinos telling me stuff like, well, you're not really that Latina. What they mean is you're not really that Puerto Rican because you don't sound like a Puerto Rican to me. Your Spanish doesn't sound Puerto Rican to me. Your, your English doesn't even sound Puerto Rican to me where you don't even speak with that New York Puerto Rican accent in your, in your English. That stuff gets frustrating. It gets really frustrating. So I feel her on that level of frustration. I feel her on the, because I think you're right. I think she's tired of it. I yeah. think she's just, at this point, she's just tired of having to do the correction, of having to tell people. Like by the 90th time that you have to tell somebody I'm not Mexican, yep. that you gets annoying. Get, and you start to get defensive. So people yes. go, also, oh, why are you offended? I'm not offended. I'm annoyed. Yeah, I'm There's annoyed because the fact is I'm not Mexican. Right. And, and y'all keep calling me Mexican, which is disrespectful to their culture as well. Right, right. Right. Frax.
Right. Uh, let's move into our dear Gina because I have to go pump my titties, baby. Pump my titties. Oh, mommy life. Um, <laughs> when your boobies feel full and, and you got to get out of a situation. Um, yeah, so we'll go into our dear Gina for this, our, our essentially our 2020 recap episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, love this dear Gina. It's a, it's a heavy one. It's a, it's a small, but it's a heavy one. Dear Gina, what do you want to be remembered as? I mean, what a question for what a year. Uh, what do I want to be remembered as? As in when I'm dead and gone? As in when I don't, know, don't exist? As in when I am no longer here? As in when I am watching y'all from heaven? Um, assuming that that's where I'm going. Uh, um, man, what do I want to be remembered as? I think more importantly than anything else, I would, I would like to be remembered as somebody who was kind and did their best to help. Because um, I know I wasn't always perfect. You know, I can 100% guarantee you there are people who absolutely hate me who are completely justified in hating me because I was probably a piece of shit to them. Um, at some point in my life, you know, at different points in my life, I've been selfish and thoughtless, but I've tried my best to do the work to fix that. Um, haven't always nailed it 100%. I don't think any of us really nail it 100%. You know, we backslide and fall off the wagon, but I've done my best to pay it forward and show the kindness that I've experienced. I, I like to show it to other people. So I, I would like to be known as somebody who is kind and as helpful as possible, you know. It, that's that's my goal not somebody who was like uh who was trying to achieve fame or somebody who was trying to you know be super noticed but just somebody who was a kind person i think kindness uh is highly underrated by a lot of people so that's kind of the goal what about in just to like piggyback off of that what about in your career what do you want to be remembered as as somebody who was impactful for whatever reason. Um, I don't think I'm a social commentator. I'm not a political comic, but being somebody who was impactful in the way that maybe I can open doors for other people, you know, maybe I can make it easier for other Latin female comics or anybody who identifies as Latin and female to get on stage. You know what I mean? Maybe I can open the door for Latinos in general. You know, if, if I can make it to a certain level, and and help people out i would definitely love to have had an impact in that sense right that makes sense and for you catherine it's interesting because i um this question makes me think of uh the documentary the black godfather watch that months mm -hmm. ago um and so the black godfather if you haven't seen it's on netflix it's about um producer filmmaker basically human extraordinaire, um, Clarence Avant. Um, I like the way he's remembered. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that to some degree, I would like to say within my very small circle, I enjoy being a version of that for people, which is a connector. Someone who tries to be solution-based, Right. And, and, but, but solution based in like a, how can I help you? Uh, do, is, is it that I can help you by understanding you? Cause I'm big on understanding. 
Um, is it that I can help you by trying to like reach out to somebody? Like, is it that I can help you by brainstorming? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. Right. I want to be remembered as somebody who tried to help. And I think that can be anything. Yeah. I think that like being helpful, first off, if you're helpful, you are, you have to come from a place of kindness. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there's no kind and like helpful. I, I mean, you could be helpful and selfish. I will say that, but myself, I want to be somebody who people remember not, they're not going to say it off the top of their head. Oh, the person who got me, this was Catherine. Yeah. You know what I mean? But maybe in some distant conversation, when I am no longer here, two people who have never met, I've somehow been in their lives in some way through something I did, said, helped with, um, put on the forefront. And if there was a moment where they both connect that dot and go, yo, she kind of did a similar thing, right? With, with no expectation of the thank you, mm-hmm. just the expectation of did it work? Did it help you? Awesome. Okay, let's move on. Um, that to me matters because I feel like a lot of people are so self um, I don't want to say self-centered, but self-involved and, and a lot of people just only worry about themselves. And I think that's important, but they forget that nothing is done by yourself. Mm-hmm. Forget that that's not how the world actually works. And that's actually not how successful people become successful people. Yeah. A lot of the people who are the helpers don't end up being the stars. And I personally feel like if the people who you did help, if the people who you did come through for in some way, they remember you as, you know, um, a person who extended an olive branch, then that is how they will speak of you. And that is how you will, that's your legacy, right? And it's not about money and it's not about fame. It's just, it could be anything. It could literally be, me, uh, somebody coming up to me and going, hey, Catherine, how did you learn how to edit on Premiere? And I go, oh, I took a free course at Eminem Studios in Manhattan, and you should take that. Here's the website. Here's the steps that I took. That could launch their career. I didn't launch their career. But the fact that I took the time to respond got them somewhere. And I'm yeah. Even if I never hear back from them, something in me goes, you did your part. You did your part. And I will tell you, I definitely, when I reach out to somebody and they don't hit me back, I, I do have that moment of, oh, I, yeah. oh, I, so it means something to have somebody hit you back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If somebody didn't hit you back and you can see that like, maybe they, they were busy because they hit you back later, even that's appreciated. Like somebody who goes, yo, I'm so sorry. I've, you know, I've been busy or whatever. I didn't see this. I just see this now. Like, that's cool. At least you acknowledge it. But I've definitely been in situations where people have not responded to me at all. And these are people that I know, like, no, no. And I've just been like, "Mm, okay. Yeah. I just, I go, okay, I see where you're at now because I, people are surprised at how much I respond to people. Yeah. I'm like, I respond because it means something to them. If somebody took the time out, to watch my special and they hit me up whether it's to ask a question or something like or not 
I still hit them back with a thank you for watching. Thank you. Thank you for being one of the people that watched that special. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ever have any questions, and I've said that to people before, if you ever have any questions, hit me up because that's, that's an actual, that's a beautiful thing that you do. Yeah. Beautiful thing to actually respond to people. And I think because you are so aware of people feeling unheard that you make it a point to hear people. So yeah. unless, I, unless you don't come correct, because that's a real thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? There is also a way to come to people. Like if you don't come correct in a message or whatever, if I ignored it, it was specifically because I don't know how to respond to you. And I'd rather not give a response in that situation than give a response that then can be taken out of context. Yeah. And I've learned that the hard way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you, I, I want to be helpful to people, but uh, people know how to come to somebody, but then also know, you know, if, they, if they're true, there's a difference between a person who's choosing not to help you and a person who literally can't, but yeah. they'll usually tell you. And I just want to be able to be someone who goes, if I have resources, then they're not just my resources. 100%. On that note, Catherine, tell the lovely people where they can find you. Um, people, you can find me on, God, Jesus, um, on Instagram and TikTok. It's at Catherine G Mendoza on Twitter. No, you froze at Kathy Grace two, four on Twitter. Everybody, <laughs> just in case you're curious, Catherine froze right now. So I don't know if you could hear her, but, ah, your internet was doing so good. It's at Kathy Grace two, four on the Twitter. You guys know you can find me at GBrion on Instagram. The website is GinaBrion.com or .net. Ballin. Also, watch The Floor is Lava on Amazon or, specifically speaking, both are on Amazon now. Both are specials from me. Or you can check out the stuff I have on HBO Max. That said, you guys know I love to end the show with a piece of advice my mom gives me to this day. When life throws a lot at you, handle it one catastrophe at a time. Just letting you guys know that this will officially be our last episode of 2020. Uh, I, we will be back. We are taking a little bit of a hiatus for the holiday and we will see you again, January 11th. We'll let you know if that date changes, but I'm just letting you guys know, thank you so much for all of the support. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and keep listening to the podcast and we will see you guys next year. Do it like that. Yeah. You the kind of chick that's ready to fight back. Yeah. Looks damn good, but really she type bad. Mm -hmm. Go to sleep, I call him a nightcap. Born killer, you a born killer. Mm. Go on, get him. Go on, go on, get him. Mm.